0: Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is Kevin Nunnery, and I'm the high school pastor here at Brookwood. This message was recorded at one of the breakout sessions during our phase event. The purpose of this event is to recognize every life stage of your child's development is critical in their spiritual upbringing. During this podcast, Jason and Julie Bergeron will be discussing sexual integrity for students of all ages. Also, on our podcast, you can find other breakout sessions from the Phase Conference that address topics such as authentic faith and technology. I'm Jason Bergeron,
1: and I'm Jillie Bergeron,
0: and uh, we really appreciate you guys all being here today, giving us this opportunity to speak with you. Um, so, this is a session on sexual integrity. Um, but first, we, we thought we, that we would start with a prayer and a little bit of an introduction about. About who we are. So let's bow our heads. Uh, Dear God, uh, thank you so much for your love and your truth. Um, Thank you for this time and these people who are seeking you and trying to navigate their way through this confusing world. Uh, Bless them as parents and spouses. Um, Bless them in their efforts to live for you. Give them wisdom, strength, and endurance to speak the truth into the lives of their children. And give us a heart. In the desire to seek you and to walk in your ways. Uh, I pray that you give Jilly and I the message and the words that will be beneficial, uplifting, and challenging. Um, so, Lord, bless our time now. It's in Jesus' name. that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I'll get started with my story, give you a little bit of an insight uh, to where I'm coming from. Uh, I, was, I was not raised in a Christian home, uh, my parents were were moral people. They taught my sister and I right from wrong, but we we didn't we didn't have conversations about God. I mean, really not anti, <clears throat> just trying to be good people for its own sake. <clears throat> um. So uh, in high school, as as I grew up and through high school and college, uh, I m- I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, Kind of trying to have fun and go with the flow, but I was also searching for meaning in my life and started asking the big questions like, "Why am I here? What's the meaning of life?" Um, but and for all the fun that I, fun that I was having, uh, there was there was not really any real lasting satisfaction, uh, and I knew that there had to be more to life, but a long story, but at the end of that journey, I ended up accepting Christ when I was uh, uh, 24 years old.
1: So I guess it's my turn now. I should start by saying when I was a teen, I actually loved heights and public speaking. Fast forward to today, and they are both major fears, so if I pass out while I'm up here, you guys will know why. Uh, A little (laughs) bit about my background is my parents divorced when I was two. And I was raised by a single mom until she re- remarried when I was 13. Uh, my mom raised my sister and I in the church, but we weren't really a vital part of the church. We weren't really a part of that church family, although we, we attended on Sundays. Um, after she remarried when I was 13, we, we left our typical Southern Baptist church and started attending a charismatic church. And to me at that time, it just seemed very... Um, chaotic and like a big show, and so I lost interest in church altogether and, and refused to um, continue to attend, which started me on a path to on partying and rebellion and um, just, just not a good path, but all the while, I claimed to be a believer. I would have totally said I was a believer and, and would have stood up for Christ and, and what I thought I was doing. But it wasn't until my sophomore year of college that God truly got my attention and truly showed me um, what it meant for Jesus to have have died for my sins. And so while I was raised in the church, I I really don't consider myself becoming a believer until I was just shy of my 20th birthday.
0: All right. Well, some of you may be wondering how we met and and what's our story. Well, the irony... Here is that we've been asked to lead this talk on seg- sexual integrity, that we, we actually lived together before we were married. But before you get up and, and, <laughs> and walk out, we can explain. Uh, so um, our, star- our story starts in, in 1991. So I met Jilly through mutual friends and her older sister. Um, I was 18 and a freshman at Clemson. She was four years younger than I was, uh, a freshman at Easley High School. So we ended up going on one awkward date um, and ended up remaining friends through the years after that.
1: So I graduated from college in 1999, and after kicking and screaming, returned to Greenville. Not wanting to move back home with my mom and stepdad, um, I I was searching and, and kind of praying for somewhere to live not having really any money having just graduated college Jason actually cleverly made the um, suggestion that I rent a room from him and he was actually already renting a room to another guy and I thought that is a terrible idea to live with two guys and pick up after y'all no way but um, after a lot of praying and unfortunately no other open doors I reluctantly moved in and so we, we actually butted heads terribly in those first few months. He, was, um, he wanted me to check in with him, he wanted to know where I was, and I was like, I've been you know experiencing four years of freedom here, I don't need to answer to you, but as, as the Lord would have it, my heart uh, very quickly began softening towards him, and I actually started finding him physically attractive, which... For nine years, I had really thought of him as a brother, and I was, that terrified me. I was very terrified by that. And so also, meanwhile, Jason and I were, um, had just started praying for Brookwood's newly uh, prayer ministry that had just, that had just started. and so they didn't even have a room yet at that point. So we would go out at, at our allotted time and, and pray for, for an hour during the week. and so I would go do that. And every time I would do that, the Lord would just say, you're supposed to be Jason's wife. You're supposed to be Jason's wife. And I would be like, I, I'm hearing things. But um, so um, anyways, so I lost my train of thought. So anyways, um, that, so that, that terrified me for, for the many reasons. But the main reason is we had been good friends for nine years. And I felt like if I was hearing that word from the Lord wrong, that telling Jason a second time, let's just be friends, would not end so well.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> well, at the same time, um, I started to have more serious feelings for Jilly and and believe that she was supposed to be my wife. Um, but I also was, was fearful that... Uh, if she found out how I was feeling, that, that I could ruin, ruin our friendship, ruin the relationship. Um, so I ended up agonizing over this for, for months, and I finally decided to tell her how I was feeling. Um, and so I just I came out with it and told her that I thought that she was uh, supposed to be my wife, that we were supposed to be married. <clears throat> so <laughs> out of the blue. <laughs> so, uh uh so obviously a big chance uh, you know so i told her finished waited for her to respond and i got nothing <laughs> like i don't remember exactly what she said but i think she she got up acknowledged acknowledged what i had said got up and laughed and, and i felt felt awful um just dying inside wondering what was what she was thinking what what was going on <clears throat> so i gave her some space and waited to see what would happen. Well, it was about a week later she came back to me and told me what had been going on in her, her heart, that she had been feeling a lot of the same things, um, but that it, that it, it was scary. Um, so she had needed, needed that week just to process it and to come to terms with it, um, to settle the question uh, you guys are probably worrying about is, yes, yeah, she moved out the next weekend. <laughs> <clears throat> so after uh, we were, we, then we're, we were free to the, pursue the relationship. So after um, knowing for each other for about nine years, we were engaged and then we were married in October of 2000. So her longtime crush on me finally paid off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the opposite. But well, <laughs> well I'll let him think that. Um, But yeah, so now we are very blessed uh, to be married and um, have been married almost 17 years, have three children um, who are 14, 12, and 10. We have two girls and a boy. Uh, Our oldest daughter, Jocelyn, yep, yep, there's a picture. So she is actually a freshman this year, which is the same age I was when I met Jason, so that's kind of crazy. But anyway, so now... um, (coughs) that y'all know who we are, um, we'll just kind of start by saying we, we don't have the perfect marriage. Uh, we certainly are not perfect parents, but we strive um, with God's guidance and help to, to talk to our children about sex. Um, so we are going to be covering a lot of ground today. Uh, this is a heavy topic, can be, and so we're going to go ahead and, and jump right in to the sex talk and get to the, to the good part. Um, We will have a chance for Q&A afterwards, hopefully, and we do have a few books we are going to be giving away, too, so stick around. Um, So the main issues that we're going to be talking about here are intimacy and our heart's desire for it, how God views sex, the power and influence parents hold in their children's lives to encourage purity, and how our children's identities and self-worth should be based in Christ and not the
0: world. Okay. So <clears throat> starting off, um, what is one of the primary desires that we have as human beings? Um, we believe it's a desire for intimacy, to be fully known <clears throat> and completely accepted by the people in your life um, for, for who we really are. Um, so some of, us, some of us have been wounded and turned that desire off, but, but, but we all need to be loved and accepted for who we are. Um, and this starts when we're young, with those initial attachments we have with our parents. Um, it's also the, the model relationship that, that God maintained with Jesus, and it's the type of relationship that God, <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, desires to have with each one of us. So... Um, uh, my father and I get along well now uh, and have a good relationship, but uh, he he did not do a great job connecting emotionally with me as as a child. I mean, he was a great dad in a lot of ways. Um, he was there. He provided. He he taught me a lot, um, and I and I can thank him for a lot of who I am today. <clears throat> but he, but he was lacking in this one area, um, and and. You know, I'm not sure if it was because of wounds he had from his childhood or, or, or what, but he was never good at building me up, encouraging me or telling me that he loved me or that he was proud of me. Um, you know, It happened, but it, it was not often, and it certainly wasn't enough. So um, my, my childhood memories of my father are mostly colored by criticism and feeling like I, I didn't measure up. Um, this, along with being bullied, uh, in elementary and middle school, um, created a lot of insecurity in me. Um, so um, that, that insecurity placed me on a path where I had to experience some hard lessons um, looking for significance in some unhealthy ways. <clears throat> so our, our theory ends up being that when kids can, can connect with their parents on an intimate level, they won't go searching for it from other people. So we believe that the, this first piece in instilling sexual integrity in the lives of our children is intentionally equipping our, your children with intimate relationships at home. Um, <clears throat> I didn't feel that type of attachment or connection with, with my family, so I, I went in search of it in relationships with, with girls.
1: So we are all on this search for intimacy, but the danger is when we fall, fall for the counterfeit. True intimacy is built over time, and it takes years to build. Trust has to be earned, commitment has to be proven, and we shouldn't just let people in past all of our defenses unchecked and unguarded. God designed sex as a part and picture of the most intimate relationship there is. For now, we'll establish that sex is a good thing, but a good thing can be misused. And twisted, and that is exactly what we see happening with sex. In a search for intimacy, we can try to shortcut the hard work and move straight into the physical. Sex can make us feel good, it can make us think we are loved and that someone desires us and wants to be with us. Inside marriage, that should be a true reflection of the emotional and spiritual connection that you share with your spouse. But outside of marriage, the physical act is an attempt to create the illusion that we are in connection with another person. So if there are good feelings that we experience in in sex outside of marriage, they never last, and they are almost always accompanied by shame and regret and the true knowledge that it wasn't real intimacy. (coughs) There is no way to get... Intimacy outside of the way that God designed it. Our children do not have the depth of of life experience to understand a lot of this, yet they have physical, emotional, and spiritual needs that need to be met nonetheless. So their immature and natural response is to act on these natural desires to feel loved and to be wanted. So how can we provide a home and a family that will fill their hearts with love and acceptance? By engaging with our children, intimately knowing them and loving them, we can alter the course of their lives and keep them from making the mistake of having premarital sex and damaging their bodies and their souls.
0: Uh, being, Being that kind of father... Um, it's not always easy for me um, with with the the example that my dad said, and, and I have a naturally a bit of a me- melancholy personality. It's it's hard for me to be the positive, encouraging, loving father that 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 I want to be. Um, it wasn't modeled for me, but but I I don't feel like I can use that as an excuse. So I fight it every day, um, and I and I'm encouraged. That, that there is always hope with God. So through, uh, through studying the Bible, you know, time meditating, prayer, and with Jilly's love and patient support, <clears throat> um, I'm working daily to, be, to become the better dad so we can help our kids maintain their sexual integrity by loving them well and building these necessary uh, healthy human relationships um, so our goal is for our children to never question whether or not they are loved or accepted for the people that God created them to be. <coughs> so that, <coughs> excuse me, um, so, um, so, sorry, this is a little bit of a jump here, but the, the, next, the next piece of our puzzle is to take a look at how God views sex versus how we view sex. Um, and this is a funny topic is we're saturated in sex in our culture, um, you know, everywhere we look, the, from movies, TVs, magazines, fashion, music, you know, um, you know sex, sex sells in our culture. Um, so, but, uh, you know, all that garbage goes in our heads and, it's, and, and it can start to define our, our own sexuality. Uh, and, and most of the time, oftentimes, it, it's quite destructive to, to our own self-image So if we don't look a certain way or, um, you know, we're not good enough or we're not beautiful. So all this goes in. uh, And unless you have your kids locked away in the closet, they're they're getting a large measure of it as as well.
1: Right. So besides culture, we also learn to think about sex from our parents. Depending on the kind of home you were raised in, you can have all sorts of ideas about sex. Some people may have been told sex was dirty or gross. Some may have been encouraged to experience all that sex has to offer. Either way or anywhere in the middle, your upbringing did shape your view on sex. So in order to teach sexual integrity to your kids, you need to have a healthy view on sex. So since... um, Jason and I are leading this from a Christian perspective. We are going to default to God's truth and spoken word about, his top, about the topic of sex. So the truth is, God created sex as a good thing to be enjoyed by a husband and a wife, and God doesn't make mistakes. God defines marriage early in the Bible, in the second chapter of Genesis, where we discover the mystery that a man and a woman become one flesh. God not only created sex for procreation, he created it to be a pleasurable experience to be shared by a husband and a wife. And if that's not enough to convince you that God wants married people enjoying sex, what about the Song of Solomon? He dedicated an entire book of the Bible just to talk about sex. So God begins the Bible with a wedding in the Garden of Eden, and he ends the Bible with a wedding between Christ and the church. Sex between a husband and a wife symbolizes that future marriage between Christ and the church. Married men represent Christ. They are to love their wives as Christ loves the church, holy and sacrificially. And married women represent the church. They must yield themselves in safety, treasured by both the one who holds them in this life, and also the one who they await to spend eternity with. So as humans, God created, um, God created our mind, body, and spirit to be symbolic of the Trinity. So sexuality is a function not just of our bodies, but our mind and spirit as well. Sex is never just a physical act with our bodies. You leave a piece of your heart with whomever you sleep with. In a healthy marriage, sex should spark great feelings and bond us together in all three of those areas. You need to make sure that you believe that because our children live out what they have learned. What is modeled to them at home will impact them far more than our words. So if we want to instill sexual integrity in the lives of our children, we should ensure that as parents, we have a healthy perspective on sex.
0: Yeah, and um, I have time for a little bit of a tangent here, and I, I really don't want to go too far off topic with this issue, but um, feel like we, we feel like we needed to talk about this, as, as pornography is such a huge factor in our culture and in people's lives. Um, now, neither of us have had an issue with it, but... We have personally seen in the lives of our friends, and um, just just how destructive this can be. And so, I've got to be a little blunt here: is that there there is no room at all for pornography in the life and the home of a believer. Um, it, it's a horror, horrifically seductive and addictive form of media. It, it it warps our perspective on what healthy sexual relations look like. Um, I have friends that struggle with this, and it's caused them serious marriage problems and, and, and obstacles for intimacy in their, uh, with their wives. Uh, what's disturbing is that most men uh, who view pornography start looking at it when they're, when they're young, when they're boys. Um, <clears throat> so um, if, if you personally are struggling with this for the sake, for your sake and the sake of your family, I would challenge you to... to hit it head-on, and, and deal with it. Um, but we also have to face this issue with our children. I mean, with, with all of today's technology, it, it comes as a price. I mean, there, there's a dark side here. Um, so our, our children have more avenues for exposure to pornography than ever before. I mean, you know, there's, there's different statistics, but, but uh, a good number of them have already been exposed already, um, so if we want our kids to maintain sexual integrity, we, we have to take this issue very seriously. Um, <clears throat> um, if they're exposed at an early age and continue to view it, uh, they are, they're going to have problems with a healthy view of sex. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't hope, because with God's help, we can all overcome adversity. But what if, but what if we could spare our kids... This struggle. I mean, wouldn't that be worth it? So, you have to monitor what they're doing online. Um, Install the filtering software. Uh, Don't let the don't let them take the devices into their room alone. Uh, uh, If if they're on social media, uh, and you probably talked heard some of this maybe in the last session, but you know if they're on social media. You have to know what they're doing, have to be their friends, have to monitor what's going on. Um, but but beyond all those attempts to protect them, uh, you, you do have to uh, prepare them for, for one day when that is going to pop up on their screen, whether they're looking for it or not. I mean, <clears throat> um, so talk to them about it. Uh, teach them how to handle that situation when it does happen. But either way, uh, just urge you guys to take this threat very seriously and protect their hearts it it, it'll pay off Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so sorry for that detour but this is a sex talk so pornography really did need to come into play and we have seen unfortunately too closely the devastation that it it causes in in a home life Uh, and the bottom line like Jason said is (coughs) pornography has no place in in the life of a believer whether single or or married Um, So the bottom line and truth is that God designed sex to be a wonderful thing shared between just a husband and a wife. Um, I'll try to wrap up this point with this. When we teach our kids about sex from God's perspective, they can one day experience the fullness and beauty of a sexual relationship like it was intended to be without the baggage of regret or shame.
0: So that brings us to our third point. Um, as parents, we have the power and influence in our children's lives to encourage purity. Um, so let's face it, <clears throat> especially during the early years of our kids' lives, we're, we're God to our kids. I mean, what we say goes. Um, we have all the power, so what we, what we say and do will shape them into the people they will one day become. But as, as they get older, the amount of control we have diminishes, but, but we still do have a powerful position of influence if, if we choose to use it. Um, so one day, all of our children are going to grow up and become adults, and it's our job to teach them, grow them, and prepare, prepare them for a day when they will need to be responsible for themselves. Um, <clears throat> Uh, an important lesson here is that we have to engage with our kids, even when it's uncomfortable. So we all have strengths and weaknesses. Naturally, that's going to look different in everybody's life, and it's very easy to work from your strengths and to let, let the weaknesses slide. Um, but unfortunately, we, we don't have that luxury as parents, mm-hmm. um, if we avoid dealing with the weaknesses, with the things that we're uncomfortable in doing, we do it at the expense of our children. Uh, and, and I know this can sound overwhelming, and it's a lot to ask, but, but it's, it's worth fighting for. Um, none, none, none of us, including us, are, are, will ever be the perfect person, uh, spouse, or parent, but are we willing to try to take the risks for the greater good? Um, So when we engage and work to both our strengths and weaknesses, we grow, we overcome, and we can leave the world a better place by investing in the lives of our kids and families.
1: So many of our friends are avoiding this uncomfortable issue of talking about sex with their kids. They love their kids, but they are not educating their kids about sex. And understand me when I tell you these are discussions we have to be having. If you want to do your best to protect and to prepare your children for living in the real world, we have to talk to them about the tough stuff. So there's probably a number of questions going through your minds, like, when do I need to talk to them? So when I was very young, my mom started talking to me about sex. Um, She was probably maybe a little too forthcoming with, with maybe too many details at a young age, but we certainly talked about it. And I was never uncomfortable coming to her to ask her questions. So I would say start young with your kids and give them age-appropriate details. When they start asking where babies come from, tell tell them the truth. You don't have to get out the anatomy books or draw diagrams, but give them honest answers. As they get older and have more specific questions, answer those questions directly too. If you're embarrassed or you feel like you don't have the right words to say, there are so many good resources out there to use and to help, and we've actually included some of those on the um, last page of of the notes. Um, But we want to teach our kids uh, several things when it comes to talking to our kids about sex. We want to teach our kids that God made sex, number one, to make babies, number two, for mommy and daddy to express love to one another, and number three... point us to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So number three is something you will get into as your kids get a little older, but number one and two are basic things that you want to start very young. So early on with our first child, um, we didn't do so well directly answering those questions. Um, I homeschool. And so, we actually, there was a science book that had um, some drawings of, and it was talking about sex, and I was horrified when I got it, and I actually ripped them out and was like, okay, she will not see this. Um, But the problem is, someone in our family got pregnant out of wedlock when she was 19, and at the time, our oldest was 10, and all she thought at that time was that God placed a baby in a married woman's belly when God thought the time was right. So as you can imagine, Jason and I had a lot of uh, catching up to do to explain to her how somebody could have a baby and and not be married. Um, So we had wished that we had answered her basic questions like how do babies get here when she was younger. Um, But we have learned from our mistakes and with our other two, we have felt the freedom and um, have been able to answer their questions as, as they have come up. Sometimes we may say too much, but what we have found out is that they only process what they can at that specific age and maturity level. So we have had to repeat the same conversations many times in some cases where it would appear we had never had the conversation. Um, Keep in mind, when you tell your kids about sex, you are not taking away their innocence. You are helping them to understand that it is a beautiful and natural gift that God created. And if you wait to tell them, it will come from the world, and the world will, will paint a much different picture. So we have started a little coming-of-age event with with our children. Um, When our oldest turned 13, I took her away on a weekend getaway to bond and to have fun, but mostly to talk about sex and relationships in in great detail. And I used a program called um, Passport to Purity, which is by Family Life, and and I loved it. Uh, Jason will do the same thing with our son, probably when he turns 12. Being the youngest of three, he has naturally grown up uh, quicker. Um, And since I homeschool, 13 was a good age for our girls, but I would say uh, don't use 12 and 13 as the right age. Sometimes that needs to come at a much earlier age, depending on your child's environment and and what they're hearing. So the key is for you to be the one to tell them and not someone else. So I just want to add one more thing that... If there's some of you in here that have older children and you may be thinking, well, gosh, my kids already know all about sex and I didn't really talk to them, um, it's never too late to go back and and talk to your kids um, and have those conversations. It's never too late to teach our children what God has to say on a subject.
0: Well, and also um, keep in mind that the talk... Is, is it's not a one-time event, and, and then it's done. Um, you, you know, check the box, okay, I've had the sex talk. Um, sex talks should be often, uh, and they should be spontaneous and planned. Uh, you know, not that you're talking about it every day, but the subject has to be open, and they, they need to be able to come for, to you for answers without being blown off, and you have to be willing to take the opportunities to bring it up as time and circumstances warrant. Um, so instead of trying to hide your kids from all sexually inappropriate commercial songs, billboards, and all the stuff we see, <clears throat> you know, we, we can use those um, opportunities to, te- to teach them how sexuality is being misrepresented in the culture. Um, so so these, uh, these moments can be just as helpful as you know, teaching them as anything. Uh, uh, another factor here is that you might be thinking, um, you know, I made some mistakes in my past. You know, will, will that affect my influence with my kids? And the, the answer we feel is no. You know, so do not let the fear of your past keep you, keep you from talking to your kids. I mean some of your kids may never ask, um, but if they do and your past isn't one you're proud of, you, you just need you need to be honest about it. And that that doesn't mean giving them nitty-gritty details uh, of, of what happened, but um, but tell them that you made mistakes. You know, tell them that you weren't proud that you're not proud of the things that, that you did, and there's things you regret. Um, so, our children can learn from our mistakes if, if we have the courage to talk to them about it.
1: Yeah, as, as I said earlier, uh, my mom openly talked to me about sex. Um, and as I got older, she mostly s- stressed to me not having premarital sex with the emphasis of being a virgin on your honeymoon. So she never, but she never really explained to me how um, God designed it and why he designed it that way. She just kind of, you know, gave me that, um, just repeatedly said that over and over to me. So I um, set that as a goal. I set that as a goal to be a virgin on my wedding day. And thankfully, because of my mom's prayers and my stubbornness, but mostly because of God's grace, I was able to keep that goal, even alongside of a lot of other rebellious and and bad decisions. Um, And while I'm thankful for that protection, I look back and I realize that there's actually so much more that God wanted for me. He wants us to remain pure physically, absolutely, but also in mind and heart. And purity for me was simply remaining a virgin. So now that I'm an adult, and I understand all of this, um, I look back and know that I should not have had that as just my only goal. I want so much more for my own kids. So purity is more than just the physical. It's a mindset to strive to live life God's way, to walk with Him.
0: Yeah. So what does the quest for purity look like? Um, you know, we have to teach our kids how to apply God's Word, how to understand His do's and don'ts, and to know that they're in place uh, because He loves us, uh, not, not because He's trying to restrict us or our behavior or punish us, but because He knows what's best. Um, so, we need our kids to understand that when they make good choices, uh, those choices will lead to good consequences. Um, trying to instill purity in our kids is trying to inspire them to return <clears throat> God's love with a lifestyle that is obedient and loving to Him. And while He created those desires and sexual desires, He, cr- he created them for the right time. Sorry. Um, so Eccle- the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that there's, um, there's a right time for everything. Um, but when we wait, and we have sex at the right time, the sex will be right. Um, So not only do we have the responsibility to educate, we also have to help our kids set boundaries and goals for themselves. Challenge your kids to purity. So, you know, it is good to think about how to have them think about where they're going to draw that line physically um, before they get in the situation where they have to make the choice. As physical physical contact creates emotional and spiritual bonds mm-hmm. and those bonds are, are truly only meant to be shared with one person um you know and th- this this can sound like a high bar but but we believe strongly that uh that it is possible that we can train our children up for exactly the kind of pure and wonderful fo- foundation for marriage of, of purity um so we like to understand the goal is, is much more than just not having sex. Um, the real goal is, is overall purity. Um, and as parents, remember that we have that power and influence in, in their lives.
1: Fighting for our kids' purity is exhausting, but will be so rewarding in the end. So our fourth and final point in how to, how to instill sexual integrity in our children Is consistently affirming our passionate understanding of their priceless worth based on God's unfailing love for them. So we must feed our kids' self worth with who they are in Christ. It is difficult to tackle this with the power of culture fighting against the morality and self esteem of our children. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, culture has a profound effect on all of our thinking. Especially influenced are our children. It's hard to understand just how saturated they can be with technology and all the outside influences. Many things we didn't have to cope with as children. Young girls are comparing themselves to countless images each day that are not real. They are airbrushed, computer edited images that these girls are trying to live up to. Each day, they are also thinking about how they want to market themselves on social media. They are living their, their lives and their self-esteem gets tied into how many likes they've received and what comments they're getting. So when a cute young man begins paying them attention, liking their posts, and telling them what they, can, what they want to hear, it can make for a dangerous situation these young girls can melt into the arms of these boys who don't really cherish them. So sometimes it's actually not the guys that are trying to allure the girl, but the opposite. So we are hearing and seeing a lot more about these young ladies that have poor self-esteem and in many cases don't have a relationship with their fathers. So they're the ones who are trying to get the male's attention and are desperate in many cases for that that attention, and they can become very sexually aggressive with guys. So as parents, we have our work cut out for us. We have got to teach our daughters to see themselves as God sees them, beautiful, desired, and cherished. And we must teach our sons to be strong and brave, Standing up against culture's lies so that instead of pressuring young ladies, these young men are respecting them and cherishing them and safeguarding sexuality. So our children can learn from the devastations caused by David and Bathsheba's sexual sin that they need to run when someone of the opposite sex is is pressuring them past their boundaries. They can also learn from God's warning in Proverbs 5, which begins, For the lips of a seductive woman are oh so oh so sweet, her soft words are oh so smooth, but it won't be long before she's gravel in your mouth, a pain in your gut, and a wound in your heart. But in order for our kids to understand this and to escape this kind of pressure, they must have their identities grounded in Christ.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so it's only when we have our hearts centered on God that we can know truth and enjoy right perspectives. Um, when our children know God and understand how much He loves them, it should change the way they live and what they value. But... Um, Unless you have a very unique child, they're not going to do it on their own. Um, it, it starts with us, uh, the parents. If our kids are not seeing us live our lives in dedication to Him, um, seeing us read our Bibles, seeing us pray, uh, serve, you know, how are they, they going to learn? So we need our kids to understand that their security and worth come from God and the fact that He took the time to create each one of them <clears throat> with care, and with purpose. Um, you know, I think most of us know these things, um, but, but are, are we living them out? Um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what other people think about us is if, if we're confident that God is, is pleased with us. Um, so we can experience freedom from the fear of man, fear of what people think about us or, or how they'll react. So some examples from the Bible, you know, what what gave David the courage to face Goliath in battle, and um, what gave Noah the bravery to build a ship on land in in full view of all of his neighbors when it had never rained ever, Um, what gave Jesus um, the steadfast heart to face persecution, you know, a violent death and suffering for all the the sins of, of men on the cross, and it was only the the knowledge and the assured love of God that could have enabled them to in, endure these things. Um, so I know it's easy to take this, interpret it as extreme, and and we're we're not saying that everything culture has to offer is awful, and that we can't take any part of it, in any part of it, without disappointing God. I mean, there are wonderful things that we can enjoy in life which God not only gives to us, but wants us to enjoy. We just have to make sure that we keep God as our center and that we don't place anything above him. None of us is going to be perfect, but if we're not trying to get it right, uh, we're going to have a difficult time passing on the right priorities to our children. So we have to love God more than anything and teach our children to do the same. So uh, when they love God more than their own desire for pleasure or what other people think about them, they'll be better equipped to take a stand and keep themselves pure. Um, So uh, now uh, I'm sure everybody's brains are on overload right now. We'll we'll wrap things up, but um, we know this has been a lot to take in. It's very challenging stuff. It's, it's daunting to think about all the responsibility that we have in our children's um, uh, lives. Um, and th- the good news is that we have God on our side. Um, um, <clears throat> and even when we mess up, we can have the hope and the assurance that God can use our failures just as much as our successes. Um, you know, faith and trust in Him is key through all of this. Um, so we have so many different resources at our disposal if we'll take the time to use them. There's books, podcasts, online resources, but um, you know we're also here, a part of this uh, wonderful church where we can learn and rely on each other. Um, so and you know, I'll, I'll just repeat that, that we believe that it's possible for our kids to grow up in this today, to stay pure, and one day Enjoy a fulfilling marriage uh, the way God intended it to be, so um, kind of to wrap up our four points is keeping our children on a path of sexual purity is is not easy or guaranteed, but we can do our best at defying the odds when we consistently develop loving, intimate relationships with them, teach them how to view sex from god's perspective, make the most out of our time and our influence with them, and show that them that their identity and value is rooted in God.
1: If you have any questions about this message, you can reach us at our email, students at brookwoodchurch.org. If you have children of other ages, be sure to listen to our other podcasts labeled with the corresponding age group. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.